Welcome to the Beyond the Box War podcast. This is your host, David Kaplan. In this episode, I interview Coach Justin Bauman. Coach Bauman was most recently the Director of Basketball Operations at Wake Forest University. JB, how's it going, my man? Good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, Dave. Oh, no problem, man. Glad to have you. I appreciate it. Uh, Coach, go ahead and give yourself a brief introduction to the listeners. Well, um, uh, let's see. Born and raised Central Illinois, um, Canton, Illinois, to be exact. Um, went to uh, University of Kansas. Got my bachelor's and my master's. Uh, obviously, worked for um, two Hall of Fame coaches in Roy Williams and Bill Self from 2000 to 2006, and um, was hired for my first job uh, out of college after I finished my master's degree with Rex Walters at Florida Atlantic University and then spent the next uh, six and a half seasons with him at Florida Atlantic in San Francisco. And then uh, when Danny Manning got the job at Tulsa, he hired me there and uh, was with coach or have been with coach Manning ever since, uh, you know, right up until we were let go at Wake Forest here uh, about a month or a couple months ago. Um, yeah. You know, growing up in central Illinois, high school basketball is huge. Um, you know, when I was coming through, uh, Central Illinois, um, the team at that time was Peoria Emanuel with Frank Williams, Sergio McLean, Marcus Griffin, um, and whatnot. And uh, really, really good high school basketball. I, I guess I did leave out one part I completely forgot about. I feel terrible. Uh, I, I did play one year of junior college basketball at Lincoln College for Coach B.J. McCollum, and uh, it was an awesome experience, and then obviously transferred to Kansas. And and But that's a, that's a short version of my background, and um, – uh, obviously, you've been really fortunate to work for some great coaches and great people and, and people that uh, I, I still speak with to this day and um, are still very prominent in my background. No, that's awesome, Coach. Talk about life growing up in Canton, Illinois. Man, life growing up in Canton, Illinois. 14,000 people, um, small town, uh, about uh, two and a half to three hours south of Chicago, about 45 minutes from Peoria, Illinois. Um, you know, all we did, all I did growing up was play basketball on the play, playground. And my other sport actually was racing. I, I was really big into racing and, uh, uh, my father, uh, grew up with it and around it. And, and, uh, I did as well. And, and, um, so those were the two things in, in a small town, um, in central Illinois. And on the weekends, I was usually at the racetrack with my dad. And uh, if I wasn't playing basketball in a tournament or something somewhere, and then, you know, uh, Monday through Friday was nothing but basketball and lifting weights. And I actually, I mean, uh, the YMCA in, in Canton, Illinois, made a lot of money off of me uh, and membership dues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When did you fall in love with basketball? Like, when did you know that was your favorite sport? Oh, man. You know, um, uh, I was probably about the age of 10 or 11. Uh, my father... I played at the YMCA. I wasn't good enough. There were some small traveling teams like St. Mary's um, uh, was a small traveling team in the area and stuff, but I wasn't good enough to be on those teams. And my dad uh, decided to coach my YMCA basketball team. I want to say it, it, it at that age. And uh, that's when I knew I fell in love with it. And, and I played baseball, uh, basketball, um, and, uh, a little bit of football all the way up until really my sophomore year of high school. 
And then I decided, hey, look, I, I know what I want to do for a living. I want to be a basketball coach. So I really started focusing on basketball at that point. What was the name of your first youth basketball team? Oh, man. Um, gosh, dang. I, 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 I really honestly, I can't remember. The name of my high school team was the Canton Little Giants. Um, okay. So it's, uh, I obviously, I'm obviously, I'm only five, six. And a lot of people, um, obviously say that I fit the mascot of my high school. Uh, they made fun of me a lot, uh, growing up about that and, um, being small and, uh, but being a little giant. Okay. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you played one season at Lincoln college, uh, you know, a Juco team. Talk about the Juco life and, and how you were recruited there. Man, it was great. I, I, I didn't have, we were 27 and six played in region 24, Coach B.J. McCollum, one of the all-time winningest coaches in, in, in Central Illinois in junior college basketball history and a uh, great, great reputation and pedigree. And, you know, I wasn't recruited by anyone in junior college. Um, Coach McCollum was actually from my hometown, and I'll never forget, um, you know, he found out that I wanted to play junior college basketball. And uh, I'll never forget going to the mailbox, you know, June – the month of June after my senior year, and, and he there was a scholarship letter there. He never called me nothing. There was just a scholarship letter in my mailbox. Um, I obviously accepted the scholarship and went. And but we were really good. I mean, we had five or six players off that team go play Division One. Um, you know, Marlon Brooks was was a player that played at DePaul and was very very good. And Eugene Bates, at, you know, at uh, I believe it was Northern Illinois. And guys that I still keep in touch with, Michael Worley, uh, that I still keep in touch with till this very day. Um, you know, great teammates. We were really good, like I said, 27 and 6, and um, didn't make it uh, to the region tournament, um, uh, the national region national tournament. Um, we got we got beat out, but uh, it was a great experience. It was definitely a lot different uh, than when I got to Kansas. You know, we, we rode and, you know, um, 10 passenger vans and, and, uh, late nights, pregame meals at McDonald's. And, um, you know, we were fortunate to, to have anything that we got. And, uh, obviously when I got to Kansas, um, I, even though I was just a, a student manager, I did try to walk on my first year at Kansas, but even though I was a student manager, life was a lot different than the junior college world. No, oh, I can imagine. Um, so when coaches came in to recruit your teammates at Lincoln, did you ever try to talk to any of them about, you know, how to become a coach? Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of – it's really – it's just, that's a great question. That, that's a great question. The, the person that I remember coming through the most, uh, quite honestly, and I still have a relationship with him, is Brad Underwood that's now at Illinois. Um, he, he came to the gym quite often. Uh, he obviously had Illinois background from being at Western Illinois and, and stuff. But, um, yeah, I absolutely did. Coach Kirk Whiteman was the assistant coach. Um, and, and he was, had a great college career playing career. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was really interesting because, um, uh, I, I was able to bounce all kinds of questions off of coach Whiteman and coach McCollum. And then guys like coach Underwood coming through John Gersnich, uh, was another coach that comes to mind coming through. So I was able to ask a lot of questions to those guys and, and, uh, really, you know, get my feet wet. But at that time, you know, Ben Miller uh, at the University of Kansas was an assistant. Uh, I had met Coach Miller through Kansas basketball camps that I attended from the eighth grade. And uh, he was another great resource for me just about um, 
how to get into the profession and, and how to learn and continue to grow. Okay, so you know, I take you grew up a Kansas Jayhawk fan. I did, I did. <laughs> my um, my great aunt and uncle uh, lived in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, my great uncle still lives there, and I have numerous cousins um, that are still live in Lawrence. And and uh, but that was my ties. And in the summers, my mother uh, and I and my grandma would go back and forth to family reunions in Lawrence. And so I was a, I became a Jayhawk fan, you know, at a very young age and, and uh, just when it started to attend their basketball camps and, and the, and the staff became familiar with me. And um, you know, my goal was to obviously play as long as I possibly could. And uh, I, you know, I played one year of junior college at Lincoln, like I said, and during that year, Ben Miller was an assistant at Kansas. He called and asked me, you know, um, kind of what my, plans were and what I was doing and I explained to him and and I said look at the end of the day I'm not going to make a living playing basketball but I do want to make a living coaching basketball and he said well you know have you ever thought about being a manager at KU or anything and I you know I was like well actually when I'm done here after two years I'd love to transfer to Kansas and be a manager and it just so happened to work out that I felt uh, you know after my first year at Lincoln College I had a 4-0 um, you know I was all academic region 24 and I decided, you know what, look, my grades are fine. My grades are, are more than good enough to get into Kansas. So I transferred to Kansas. Um, after my first year, I walked on. It was still one of the most memorable things um, of my career. You know, it was a five-day tryout, and Ben Miller and Jared Hass, now at Stanford, and C.B. McGrath, they ran the tryout, and Coach Williams would peek in, you know, from time to time. It was definitely there in the last, you know, uh, day of the tryout, and but it was a five-day tryout started with, you know, 65-plus kids, and uh, I made it to the final eight, um, wow. and I ended up getting cut. But uh, then after that, Coach Miller said, hey, look, we don't have a manager spot per se this year, but if you want to come and film all the basketball practices for us, you know, you can learn, you know, and, and uh, then next year come in and be a student manager. So that first year at KU – I spent a ton of time in the top of Allen Fieldhouse just running a video camera, um, learning and just trying to be a sponge and soak up as absolutely as much information as I could. So one thing I just learned from you is that the next place you coach, they need to fix your bio to include the all academic. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I've never seen that in any of your bios, man. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, it's uh. That's interesting too. I, I I don't I don't know. I guess I don't really talk about it a whole lot, and I, I'm not a very uh, good self promoter, which I understand that there's a level of that in the profession. But um, yeah, that's uh, I, I was a Region 24 All Academic and, and had a 4.0 in my one year of junior college. Yeah, I love it, man. Um, you know, Kansas was really good during your first year as a student manager. And talk about serving under the legendary coach Roy Williams. Man, we were really good. Um, you, you know, it, it was – I'll never forget the first practice um, that uh, I worked in with Coach Williams. And I remember walking onto the floor. I was very, very nervous, obviously, um, just because it's – it was kind of like a dream. It was a dream come true. I mean, I wanted to be part of the Kansas basketball program, and here it was. I mean, I was a small town kid. Um, this was rare, you know, and uh, I'll never forget. He put me in a, I was on offense in a shell drill 
Um, and this at this time, the team was I mean, the team was was absolutely gr- a great basketball team with Drew Gooden, Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, Jeff Boshi. Um, you know, you had freshman Keith Langford, Aaron Miles, Michael Lee, um, Wayne Simeon. I mean, you had I mean, our practice squad was absolutely loaded. But anyway, I, uh, I remember being on offense and Coach Williams was demonstrating with me on jumping to the ball and, and guarding me and stuff. And I just kept, you know, thinking to myself, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess the drill up. Just do what they say, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and but it was uh, it was a time where Coach Williams and, and Joe, Coach Joe Holiday and, and um, Coach Neil Doherty, you know, was part of that staff and Ben Miller and. Um, you know, Steve Robinson, coach Robinson didn't come in until he was around the team in, in 2003. And I just bring him up because, uh, he's part of coach Williams staff now, and I'm obviously close with him too, but it was an unbelievable staff. And, and the thing I loved and, and coach self was too. the thing I loved about every coach that I interacted with at Kansas is they all were very humble. They all took the time and my development. Um, and, and I felt and I still feel to this day that that's rare, you know, um, all of those guys, they knew that I wanted to be a basketball coach and they all took time. If I to answer my question, to help me, to push me, you know, um, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's rare because even at the division two and division three levels, you don't get that from coaches. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was super rare. I mean, even still to this day, I mean, my relationships with those guys, um, you know, and how they've evolved, um, you know, from me being a director of basketball operations and an assistant and, and even till now to, to, you know, not having a job in, in college basketball. I mean, the way they, you know, whether it be shoot me a text and check in or, or whatever, you know, it's, uh, it's makes me very, very fortunate. makes me feel very, very lucky. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, it stands out to me. We got let go at Wake Forest on, I believe it was like April 24th or 25th. It was a Saturday. And that night at six o'clock, you know, coach Williams called and, um, that's something that'll stand out to me the rest of my life. And he wasn't call. He was just calling to check on me, you know, and that, that, that means meant the world to me. Um, and it goes to show what type of person he is. And then, you know, two days later on Monday, Coach Self, I get a text message from Coach Self. So, you know, both of those guys are top-notch people, um, you know, in, in an unbelievably competitive, uh, you know, game of college basketball. Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's definitely, definitely sounds like the case. I got to ask, how many times did you ever hear Roy Williams curse? Oh, um, I mean, honestly, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I mean, this is, this is not, you know, made, make believe nothing. I honestly do not ever remember him, remember him cursing, um, ever. Uh, now I remember him getting very upset, obviously, and, you know, and really laying into guys and and stuff like that. But I don't believe I ever heard him curse, um, in three basketball seasons that I was with him. Um, I really don't. <laughs> well, he's a better coach than I am, and he's definitely a better man than I am. Oh yeah, I mean it is impressive. I mean, I and I've seen Coach Williams get really, really upset, you know. Um, and and Coach Self too. I've seen both those guys get really upset. And but you know, the interesting part is, is when they're 
Um, you know, when they're coaching their guys and they get upset, there's never a, um, you know, every coach has a different style and every coach has different philosophies and what they believe, but they're never, uh, in a degrading, um, I guess you'd say like a degrading mode or a degrading style. Like, you know, if they're getting on you, Dave, about, you know, not closing out properly or you're not going hard enough or whatever, it would be, you know, more framed like, you know, Dave, come on, you're better than that. Why aren't you giving me better effort today? Rather than being like, you know, Dave, you suck. I don't know why you're even here. It's, it's never, it's never like that. It's always the, the, the negative is said in a positive way. If that, if that makes sense. Um, and that's something that always stood out. And, and I'm sure you probably saw it from coach Manning's practices here and the way coach Manning, you know, coaches and, and stuff like that too. And I feel like that's why I probably worked so well with him because, you know, he, he, uh, you got to understand how to motivate and obviously, you know, Roy Williams and Bill Self are master motivators, you know, but, uh, yeah, coach Williams, I don't believe I ever heard him cuss, you know, coach self, he would let them fly every once in a while. But like I said, like I said, it was never, never degrading, you know, um, it was never to the thought was, it was always out of love. And those guys always knew if, if I got on Dave today in practice and it was a tough day, as soon as we walked off the floor, it was over with and they loved you and they showed they loved you. Um, that was always very impressive to me. Oh, Absolutely. You know, one of the roles of managers is obviously rebounding and passing for players. How many assists do you think you got passing the guys like Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, and Wayne Simmons? Well, uh, it's funny. Kirk Heinrich is by far. Uh, so every day, um, every day I was on the same end. Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich. Every day of practice during my time as, time as a manager. They always shot on the main hoop at the far goal every day. And I just remember Kirk – uh, both those guys were super easy to rebound for because they rarely missed. But Kirk was a, was a guy he could stand in the short corner, you know, and uh, beyond the three point line, and I mean he'd make twenty in a row like it's nothing, just boom, 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 boom. And uh, so, good lord, I don't know, but it, it's funny. I talked to Nick Collison um, for the first time. I, I spoke with Nick probably about it was probably about two or three weeks ago now. And we were just texting back and forth. And, and, uh, I was laughing cause I was like, dude, I've rebounded so many basketballs for you. <laughs> like, and, uh, it was funny. We were joking around about that, but you know, that's something that definitely stands out to me. Uh, you know, the, the Kansas basketball family. And I said this to Danny, um, this was, I said this to Danny probably a couple months ago now, but, you know, everyone talks about brotherhood and family and whatnot in college basketball. And, you know, Kansas, uh, it's such a and, – and you look, Duke, Kentucky, you know, UCLA, they all have their, quote, family and brotherhood, right? And But I'm fortunate, right? Like Kansas, those guys, Michael Lee, Aaron Miles, I'll still get texts from them. The managers that I, you know, was with Shannon O'Connor, Steve Davis, Tegan Thornberry, Jessica Johansson, you know, uh, Jill, you were like all of them. It's amazing. Keep in touch. It's really literally like having a, a family, you know, a high school reunion nonstop. Um, and, and I just think that's really cool because I don't really hear of many other college basketball programs 
really having it that deep. And even if I didn't work with, you know, uh, like Nick Bradford that played at Kansas, right? I never worked with Nick, but I know Nick. And if I saw Nick to this day, it, w- it we would talk to each other like we worked with each other daily. And I think that's just what makes Kansas so special. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, KU seems like, you know, th- that brotherhood feeling, you know, just from being around you, Coach Woodbury, uh, you know, Coach Manning, yeah. Brad, all those guys, like, it's just – instant like the chemistry is there Um, and so yeah it's very evident yeah I mean you're exactly right I mean that that's that's what was so cool and is so cool about the summers at Kansas and well you know post or uh, before COVID actually but um, you know is when the former players come back like you're right the chemistry among former players um, at Kansas and even managers you know Matt Kovich is a kid that there's a guy now that you know, he worked at KU, was a manager before me. He works at NASA now. And Matt and I, even though we never worked together, I mean, Matt and I, you it really feels like we have a chemistry and we did work together daily. And it's just uh, it's a really special thing, I think, that Kansas basketball obviously has. Oh, it definitely sounds like it. You know, talk about the differences uh, with Coach Williams and Coach Self, first as running a program and second being a student manager under well, um, they've obviously both been unbelievably successful. They'll continue to be unbelievably successful. And, um, you know, the, I, I, it's so hard for me because, you know, Coach Williams is very, um, you know, very, very strict on time, uh, very, very strict in terms of, you know, whether it be bus seating or, or and he might not be this way now, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what this was you know, 2000 to 2003, but at this time, you know, he was very strict on those things and, you know, very uh, strict on appearance and attention to detail and things like that. And, and, you know, on the basketball court and coach self was more, he was more relaxed and, um, you know, coach self, you know, it it was okay if, you know, say practice was going to start at four 30 and, you know, coach Williams was going to start at four 30. And if, it said the practice plan said end at 605. Then you ended at 605 where coach self, he might start at 435 and practice plan might say end at 605 and you might be done at 615. So, you know, there was definitely, uh, um, they definitely skin the, each skin the cat a different way. Um, they're both obviously super successful, but you know, the, and I took the things I took from each of them were very, um, was the whole relationships piece. That's where they're, both of them are identical. They both love their players. They both push their players outside their comfort zones to get better daily. And those two things are very, very evident. But all the things surrounding the basketball program, those are different, right? And that's okay because they're both successful. But the two, the two things that, and quite honestly, I think make college basketball teams successful is player-coach relationships – you know, and then obviously how hard, you know, you push your players and how much you, um, you know, how much the head coach trusts his staff. Um, you know, those two things, trusting your staff and how, you know, your player relationships, those two, I mean, there's a reason, you know, Steve Robinson's been with Coach Williams forever, you know. Um, Norm Roberts has been with Bill Self forever. You know, Curtis Towns has been with Bill Self forever. You know, uh, Jared 
and CB were obviously with Coach Williams for a very long time until, you know, they went to take over their own basketball programs. But, you know, it's, um, you know, I think those things are the, are the commonalities and it obviously shows why they're so successful. You know, I was listening to the interview you did with uh, you know, Rex Walters, which was phenomenal. Um, what was Danny Manning's role with the program and what was your relationship with him like at Kansas? I know you touched it on, touched on it in that interview, but I'd love to hear it again. Yeah. So coach, um, <laughs> so it's crazy. You know, I, I first met coach, uh, you know, he had just retired from Detroit. He had come back a few times, you know, throughout the season to practice with the guys as, as he was still in the NBA, um, you know, so I met him a few times through then, but never really had a conversation with him. And then in 2003, when he, you know, finally retired, he played the uh, last half of the season with Detroit and he finally retired. And he comes back in the field house one night and it's like 11 o'clock and I'm in the equipment room counting Nike gear. And he comes in and starts counting Nike gear as well. And I'll just remember thinking to myself, man, like, what's this guy doing? I mean, he's all time leading scorer at Kansas. He's played in the NBA 15 seasons what's he doing here? <laughs> you know? Um, and, but that just showed how humble coach coach Manning was and is. And uh, that's how I met him. And his first year, you know, uh, first few years, actually, I believe, you know, he was just director of student athlete development and a student manager. And, um, you know, he had, I, I'm pretty sure at the time he had taken a, a couple classes to work towards his master's degree and uh, he was a student manager. And so we were literally doing the same job. Um, it was crazy. I mean, we'd load the, load the equipment van up and we would drive to the airport, Topeka, Kansas, to load the plane before the team arrived. It'd be Danny, myself, and the managers. Um, you know, he'd help do laundry. I mean, it was, he was, you know, you've probably heard Coach Manning say like, hey, look, I've, I've, I've done video, I've done laundry, I've, you know, mop the floor, I've carried gear, I've carried equipment bags from the ground up. And that's true. He has, um, there's not one manager, you know, that I, uh, worked with that would tell you differently. Um, he was there every step of the way. So that's how my relationship with coach Manning really grew. Um, because literally, I mean, even though he was an NBA veteran retired, we were doing the same job daily. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, you graduated from Kansas with a bachelor's degree in sport management and fitness in 2004. Did you always plan on being a GA there or were you applying to other schools uh, to be a graduate assistant? No, great question. Um, I was not. Uh, I was wanting to, um, you know, get a job in college basketball right after um, my four years at Kansas. And when I graduated with my bachelor's and um, I mean, I applied to, uh, my gosh, I mean, I bet I applied to 20 or 30 places and, and I remember coach self was helping me. Um, I mean, I had, um, uh, coach self was helping me. I remember Joe holiday and Ben Miller. I mean, all, everybody in that network was great, you know, uh, um, about helping me and, uh, I wasn't able to get anything and I'll never forget. I was talking to coach self, and I just said, hey, well, do you care if – I mean, I'm just going to stay here at Kansas and get my master's, and can I be a GA? And, um, you know, at that time, Sean Harrington uh, was doing video and stuff and, and uh, that played at Illinois for Coach Self. And uh, then Brett Ballard ended up replacing Sean. And, 
And so I just hung around um, and started picking up those duties as well. And Coach Self was, um, you know, agreed. And was I was very fortunate that he said, hey, yeah, just stay right here and keep working with the program, and we'll see what happens after you finish your master's. So, you know, I'm assuming at Kansas, uh, you know, just being such a blue blood program that, you know, the GA is paid for, you know, if you get a stipend or not. But when you're a student manager, are you on a scholarship? No. So, um, so at that time, it was a lot different now. I, I believe now it's a stipend at Kansas. But at that time, I was just paid minimum wage. Um, and, you know, and I had to keep uh, I had to keep, you know, my hours, you know, weekly. Um, you know, and, and things of that nature. Um, but no, I mean, even when I was a GA, it was the same way. Um, you know, that was something that, uh, coach Williams did. It was just an hourly, hourly wage. And when coach self, uh, you know, took the job, I'll never forget. Uh, and one of my first conversations with him, I was really nervous because I thought coach self might let all the managers go. His manager system at Illinois was a lot different. Coach Williams, you know, ran, you know, ran the program with six managers. Um, and that was it. And coach self always had 10 to 12 managers at Illinois. The way I was familiar with that was I worked coach self uh, basketball camps in the summer at Illinois. Um, so I, you know, I knew him and coach Gillespie and, and, you know, and Norm, uh, coach Roberts, you know, and stuff. And, um, Jeff Guin, Jeff Guin was a, a very vital part in my career. And, um, so it was a lot different. I'll never forget. Uh, I think at Illinois coach self just allowed two managers to have a scholarship and then the rest were volunteer. So I was like, oh, that's really different, but I was fortunate that, that coach self adopted, you know, coach Williams, um, you know, philosophy on managers and stuff. And I think the only thing that really was different, it was, like I said, coach Williams operated with six and, and, uh, coach self, I believe he moved it to eight, um, in my last year there. Okay. Awesome. You know, you stay in Lawrence to be the graduate assistant. You work on your mat, you earn your master's degree in sports studies in 2006. Um, you know, how was the team uh, during your, your GA ship? Uh, we were good. I mean, we, we were still really good. You know, 2002, um, we go to the Final Four, and I'll never forget uh, um, Jessica Johansson and Jill Ewer and, and Mandy. They all said to me, um, uh, hey, look, this isn't normal, you know, because at that time, the big thing with Coach Williams was the monkey off his back. I don't know if many people remember that, but – but anyway, in 2002, we go to the Final Four. 2003, we go to the Final Four. Coach Williams, you know, heads to North Carolina. And then uh, we were still good, you know, in, in 2004. Uh, I believe we went to the Elite Eight uh, in St. Louis and got beaten the Elite Eight. Um, and then 2005 wasn't great, you know, with a first-round loss, you know, to Bucknell. And then the next year, first-round loss to Bradley. But – we were still really competitive, still won Big 12 championships, you know, as you're familiar with that, uh, the Big 12 championship train hadn't, hadn't changed. If you're going to win a Big 12 championship, that still goes through Lawrence. Uh, absolutely. You know, you spent six years with the Jayhawk basketball program. Did you think it was always going to be that easy to coach after experiencing so much success at Kansas? Um. That's a great question. You know, it was really difficult because the, the one of the difficult things when I left KU and I went to Florida Atlantic with Rex, 
was the adjustment. You know, Rex was awesome and is an awesome basketball coach and, and in terms of the way he runs his program and, and what he, you know, how he communicates with the staff, how he trusts his staff. You know, he does an absolutely great job. You know, the difficult part for me was, man, Florida Atlantic doesn't have the resources that um, Kansas does. And, and that was really, really difficult, um, you know, for me uh, because, you know, <laughs> I was the director of operations at Florida Atlantic in that first year. And where, you know, Kansas basketball, I mean, you call any restaurant in Lawrence and say, hey, I'd like to send the players to eat at your restaurant tonight. And they're like open arms. Well, in Boca Raton, Florida, when you're <laughs> calling from Florida Atlantic and you say, hey, I want to send the players to eat at your restaurant tonight. They're like, who are you? So it was a lot of you had to hustle in a completely different way. And that was definitely a challenge. And I'll never forget Rex telling me Rex was like, hey, just just so you know, this isn't going to be KU. Like this is going to be a totally different animal. And, it, and trust me, it, it was it definitely was a was an experience that I'm fortunate for and, uh, you know, definitely helped me in, in my career today. And but it was different. So, you know, you talk about Florida Atlantic. Talk about living in Florida and being a first time Dobo. You know, obviously, like you just said, not the resources that KU had, uh, not the reputation in the community per se. But, you know, talk about, you know, that first college basketball job. Yeah, so, um, you know, so it's kind of interesting. So when Rex got the job at Florida Atlantic, uh, he got the job when Matt Doherty went to SMU. And I, um, I was trying really hard to get a job with Matt Doherty um, because he had an, an opening for Adobo. Um, and, uh, and I had heard he, he did, and, and I believe Malcolm Farmer now uh, in the G League in Dallas um, – you know, uh, was his, was his Dobo at the time, but, but yeah, it was, it was very, uh, it was very interesting. You know, Rex turned me down. I, I applied right out of grad school and Rex turned me down. This is like April. I graduated in May back to, uh, back to, you know, square one again, like, what am I going to do? I want to work in college basketball. Um, I had actually, uh, spoken with the NABC and the NCA about a possible job. Um, and then it was literally like the first week of June, Rex called and offered me the job. And I remember going down there. Uh, I had never been to Florida. Um, I was making $15,500 a year. And um, I didn't even care about the money. I was like, look, I got to figure it out. And uh, Jeff Ewan uh, hired me uh, with Coach Walters. And, and uh, Jeff was absolutely awesome in my first year in terms of just helping set the tone. You know, Jeff was at Western Illinois before that. He was with Coach Self at Illinois. Uh, so I had a familiarity with, with Jeff. And, but Jeff was absolutely great in terms of kind of uh, setting the tone for me. Um, you know, but it was, it was interesting at Florida Atlantic. Boca Raton, a great, great, uh, great city, obviously. Miami and, you know, I mean, everything down there is absolutely awesome. Um, but the support is a lot different. You're, you're not filling, you know, the borough is where the Florida Atlantic plays. And uh, you'd be lucky to get a couple thousand people compared to 16,300 in Lawrence. Okay. You know, so after, was it two years, you go with Rex Walters to San Francisco? Yep, that's okay. right. So, you know, you served two years as a Dobo and then were promoted to the assistant coach for the final two years. Uh, you were there. Yes. 
Yeah, so I was really lucky. I mean, you know, I was adobo for Rex, and, and uh, I was the only one he took from Florida Atlantic, and um, which that meant a great deal to me because obviously he trusted me and wanted me to continue to be part of his staff. And, uh, you know, we went to San Francisco, and San Francisco was an absolutely great city to live in. Uh, the Dons, um, you know, obviously a very storied program, you know, still the only program and. West Coast Conference history to, to have two national championships with Bill Russell. And, um, you know, so a very storied program and, and whatnot. And they were in the news quite a bit at that time because of Coach Eddie Sutton. He finished his career there. And, uh, you know, Rex came in and they had, you know, they had shuffled some coaches around. and But it was a rebuild, you know, at San Francisco. And the kids were great. Um, they really bought in, you know, to, to Rex and what we were trying to, to do. and But it was – the West coast conference. And, uh, that's a great league, St. Mary's and, and BYU came in, you know, towards the end of my career, you know, at San Francisco and Gonzaga, obviously. And it's a, it's a really good coaches league and a very competitive league. Talk about being on the road, uh, recruiting as an assistant coach and then on the floor coaching. Um, that was an adjustment. I mean, the, the, the op spot, you know, from Florida to Atlanta, Florida Atlantic to San Francisco wasn't, I don't think it was, I mean, I had more resources at San Francisco, so that didn't really change a whole lot. There were still the challenges though, because, you know, you're still in a, in a, you know, what I call a large market, right? When you're in Boca Raton, you got the Miami heat, you got the dolphins, you know, you're in a large pro sports market. And the same thing with San Francisco, you know, you got the golden state warriors and, and uh, the Oakland A's, San Francisco giants and whatnot. So those challenges were the similar, but, recruiting, um, you know, when I, when I moved over to recruiting, you know, I had great people that I was able to, um, you know, be around in terms of Jeff Lender. Now he's the head coach at Wyoming and Calvin Bird, Danny Oshikawa and those guys, you know, and Luke Wicks, Jack Kennedy, you know, and those guys, you know, San Francisco, everybody wants to visit the city. So I'll never forget like getting a kid on a, on a visit to San Francisco Quite honestly, it really wasn't that difficult because everyone wants to see the city. So, you know, it was really more about establishing relationships and making sure the player was what Coach Walters wanted and it was going to be a fit for our program. Because I, I really feel, and I still feel to this day, you know, I mean, one of the best players, you know, that we probably had on campus uh, was Phil Forte that went to Oklahoma State. I was recruiting Phil. And uh, he ended up going to Oklahoma State with Marcus Smart. But, um, you know, you could get great players, you know, on campus. And, and uh, so that was, that was the great part about recruiting there. You know, on the floor, Coach Walters, you know, very similar to Coach Manning, they do such a good job of, you know, in, in the practice planning, in the, um, uh, you know, in the office about talking ball. They're both great college, you know, basketball minds. And they talk ball so much that, you know, um, quite honestly, the hardest part for me was asking questions. Because I always felt like, uh, you know, man, I don't want to sound dumb by asking this question, you know, um, because they, they talk at such a high level, um, you know, that, that you can get lost sometimes. And, but that was a challenge, you know, in my first year and then, but Rex was so patient with me. And, and that's probably why I have such a quality relationship with him now is because he's always been patient with me and, and uh, just like Danny and stuff, because obviously I didn't play, 
uh, professional basketball. And, um, but, but they did a great job of, like I said, leading their staffs and, and, uh, I guess you'd say coaching their assistants per se. What's your best, best, uh, rec story? Oh, my best rec story. My best rec story would be we're playing, um, playing at Gonzaga. We had just, uh, you know, Rex, we were very, um, successful versus Gonzaga, um, you know, in my time at San Francisco, we usually played very well and we, we beat them at home, um, you know, in San Francisco, but we weren't, we never played well when we went to Spokane. And, uh, so we just got done in Spokane. We got beat and there was a ton of snow and the bus got stuck. And Jack Kennedy was our director of operations at the time. And I felt terrible because I've sat in Jack's seat. Like, there's nothing you can do. The bus driver can't. No one can do anything, right? Like, that's one of the worst feelings as a dobo is, is you try to control everything. But there's obviously some things that you can't control and some things that happen. But, the, yeah, the bus got stuck in the snow. And Rex said, all right, everybody off the bus. We're going to push this thing out of the, out of the snow. <laughs> so, literally, all of us got off the bus. It's snowing. We just gotten beat. Obviously, no one's in a good mood, and we had to push the bus to get it to the airport. You know, out of the snow. So uh, that's probably my best wreck story. Um, my second best wreck story was is my first year being a dobo. I know you didn't ask for two, but I gotta say this one because it still blows my mind. But uh, we're driving um, from Boca Raton to Jacksonville, uh, Florida, and at that time it was me, Wendell Moore, Mike Bellato. Um, and Jeff Ewan as a staff, and I always sat in the front seat right behind the driver to make sure the driver knew where he was going. And it was it was late. We had just gotten done, um, and it was late. We're, we're returning home, obviously, and um, the bus driver kept smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, I, you know, and Rex was like, JB, say something to him. JB, say something. And I'm like, all right, man, I've told this guy like three times, can you please not smoke cigarettes right now? And the best part was he was trying to hide it. He's like, I got the cigarette out the window, but the smoke's coming back in the bus, you know? I, and I'll never forget, I was so stressed. And I was like, and you know what? Quite honestly, the, the funny part is I don't ever sleep. So when we travel like that and stuff, I, I rarely, I can't remember ever falling asleep because I'm always paranoid about the bus driver. And what the bus driver could be doing. <laughs> so that's my second funny Rex. No, story. that's great. I think I've slept once on a bus because I'm usually like you. I'm a seat behind the bus driver, basically making sure he knows where to go. And yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Because that for some reason I haven't. I'm telling you, I have not worked. Uh, you know, Coach Walters and Coach Manning. They're the only two head coaches I've worked for, right? Um, you know, and obviously very lucky. But neither of those guys. They both get agitated when the bus doesn't know where it's going. I, I, you know, and I don't know. I've always wondered to myself, is that like a head coach's thing where they just, you know, they get agitated if the bus driver doesn't know where it's going? Because I've, if you said, Justin, what is the number one thing as being a dobo has driven you crazy or you just haven't had success with? I would say ground transportation by far. <laughs> I, can, I can also say high school and Division three. Uh, yeah, you're not, they're, they're not the only two guys. <laughs> oh gosh. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, you know, from San Francisco, you go to Tulsa, um, you know, after you guys were let go, what was it like to reunite with coach Manning, uh, as his Dobo? 
you know, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a very hard decision. Um, cause Rex obviously gave me my shot. Um, and, and that was a very difficult discussion. Uh, when I had to go into Rex's office and let him know that I was going with coach Manning, um, just because I value loyalty so, so much in my life. And, um, you know, Rex was absolutely great. I, I, I mean, that was still to this day. I mean, it was so hard for me to go in and tell Rex, like, Hey Rex, I appreciate everything you've done for me. Um, you know, and, and coach Manning's obviously offered me this opportunity. It's back in the Midwest where I wanted to be closer to my, my parents, my wife's parents. And, um, you know, and, uh, but it was, it was pretty cool. When we got to Tulsa, when, or when I got to Tulsa, you know, Tulsa is a very uh, – it's a great basketball program. Um, and, and I'm not surprised at all by the success they have had, you know, even uh, before Coach Manning and after Coach Manning because the, that, that city, they embrace it. They love it. The administration, they love it. Um, you know, the fan base, you know, you're, you're, you are the little brother uh, per se to, to Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. But, um, I mean, they embraced basketball there, and uh, the city was awesome. So that was really cool because, you know, it really made me feel, um, you know, I, I hadn't felt that support from the university side or the, um, you know, the city side, that, that deep, deep, um, you know, support since I was at Kansas. And uh, so that was really cool because the, the people were so bought into the success of the basketball program and, and uh, the kids were absolutely great. And, you know, coach Wojcik, you know, D- Dave Wojcik, he, he did a very nice job uh, with the players there, you know, so when we transitioned in, um, you know, the, the players were great kids, you know, they, they, they were very bought into coach Manning quickly, you know, and, and um, you know, it was, uh, it was a, it was a very, no transition is easy, but that was one of the easier transitions that I've had. You know, we'll, we'll go back to Tulsa in a second, but, you know, you mentioned your wife. When did you two meet? How did you guys meet? When do you guys get married? Timeline. <clears throat> oh, man. So I, uh, so I met my wife uh, in my second year at Florida Atlantic. Um, Coach Williams, she was a sports writer um, in, in South Florida and, and uh, covered preps, prep football, which is obviously huge. Okay in South Florida, you know, and, um, I went to a basketball game, uh, North Carolina versus Miami. We didn't play that night and coach Williams gave me a ticket to come down to Miami and watch the team North Carolina play. And I went down there and, uh, I met her, um, post game, um, actually standing out by the bus. Uh, I was waiting for coach Williams and, and that staff. Cause I'm, I was really close with Jonas Serration, still am. And I was waiting. He's the strength coach. And I was waiting to talk to those guys. And uh, she was there and it was just, hey, how you doing? And are you a coach at Florida Atlantic? Yes, I am. And well, I've covered you guys a couple of times. And and uh, she gave me her business card. And then um, it's kind of crazy because she asked me to go uh, have lunch with her a couple of times. I was like, no, I don't want to go, you know. And so finally I did. We went to Panera Bread and I told her I had 30 minutes. I said, look, we got I got practice. I got 30 minutes at Panera Bread. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> now we're, we're obviously we've had a very good life and, and she's a great wife. And, um, and my daughter Tatum is seven and, uh, she's originally from Wisconsin. And, um, so it's nice that we're both from the Midwest and, and, uh, you know, when we do go home or, you know, it's easy to see both of our families. Oh, that's awesome. 
you know, talk about, you know, working for arguably the greatest Kansas Jayhawk of all time. Oh man, Danny Manning, you know, um, you know, people, people don't realize, um, you know, one, you know, I, I, I don't think a lot of people realize how humble he is, um, how much he really does care, um, how competitive he is. You know, he's a very mild mannered, uh, human being. Um, you know, people obviously say, man, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure how much coach, you know, does Danny really care? Does he really want to win? You know, his sideline demeanor is more calm and, you know, but, but coach's whole thing is, is, is look like, why, why am I going to lose control? But I expect my players to remain in control, you know? And, um, so that, that's, that's one of the things that always stands out to me. Coach is always very even keel, good times, bad times, stressful times, happy times. He's always very even keel, but, um, very loyal, very loving. And, uh, those are the reasons that I, I went to work for him, you know, at Tulsa and Wake Forest and, and, uh, you know, coach is a very, um, uh, he's private obviously because of his career and, and, uh, he is, um, I guess you'd say more, uh, to himself, you know, he, he is not one of those self promoters and flashy and, you know, Dave, you've been around him, <laughs> you know, and, uh, he, he just, he's your typical, you know, uh, I don't want to say typical cause he's not, but I, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for. He's just a down to earth, good human being, um, that, that cares about everyone and, and has a good heart. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, I really value in him and he, he and I's, you know, working relationship and friendship. That's great. You know, it's funny you talk about his demeanor in game. And I've always told people, you know, the few times whenever I'm, you know, coaching at, at a camp or, you know, even in practice, I never yell at the ref, one, you know, because I've ref before, but two, that just shows I don't know what I'm doing as far as a coach, that I'm not coaching my team. And he was always yeah. instructing his players or talking to his players. You know, he, he'd have, you know, if the ref came by, you know, he'd put his hand over his mouth and, you know, try to jockey for some calls. But, yeah, you know, these guys who are just above and beyond, you know, I hate to call names, but, you know, like a John Calipari, that, that's his style. And I think Danny does really well with his where, you know, he's going to coach his team. He doesn't need to put on yeah. a show for the cameras. No, exactly. It's never about him, you know? Um, and it's funny because it, it's never about him. And, and you're right, Coach Cal, everyone has a different style, right? Just like I told you with Coach Williams and Coach Self. I mean, look at those dudes. They're unbelievably successful. Coach Cal is unbelievably successful. They all do it a different way. Well, you know, this is Danny's way, and he has had success, you know? Um, and, and the funny thing that all, I always think is funny is when people do – question is competitiveness is because you know you don't accomplish what he has in his career by not being competitive that just doesn't make any sense and you're right like you know he always you know would would he would ride the refs you know from time to time but he would do it in a way that was never just demonstrative in terms of trying to show them up or embarrass the basketball program or university you know and um you know, that's just, that's just, that's how he is. That's his personality. And um, everyone skins the cat a different way. And that's how coach does it. 
you know, talking about Tulsa, you know, the team accepts a, a bid to the CBI in year one. You know, talk about that experience. You know, it was great. Like I said, those kids, uh, Shaq Harrison and James Woodard and DeAndre Wright, um, you know, uh, Nick Wood, a great walk-on, Barrett Hunter. I mean, you talk about all the way Rashad Smith, all the way throughout that entire roster. Um, you know, it, it was just – it was such a – I don't know if I've – even from my team, the teams I was with at Kansas, I don't know if I've ever been around a team – um, compared to those two teams at Tulsa that had the chemistry. The, the chemistry with those two teams at Tulsa was phenomenal. Um, and a lot of it started with Tim Pete. You know, Tim Pete is an assistant, you know, uh, for Will Martin now, you know, at Missouri Western and, and uh, Division Two, And, and um, you know, that, that chemistry was phenomenal. And so we got really lucky is my point. Right. A lot of times when you're taking over a program, they might have been a losing program or whatever. You got to really, you know, bring in, build your foundation and and try and develop, per se, chemistry. You know, and that's very difficult to do because, you know, the fans and the school sometimes want it to happen overnight. um, But it doesn't. It takes years to build in in time for it to happen. And um, we got lucky there because it happened at at a faster pace. (laughs) You know, and but those kids, th- that that's why we were so good. I mean, we were so good defensively and offensively and, and uh, you know, really defensively. I mean, our offense was good, but defensively is what defense is what we hung our hat on. And but they were just so bought in. And, and like I said, I, that's that's a testament to Coach Wojcik, too. You know, unfortunately, he was let go at Tulsa. But, you know, he did a great job of instilling, you know, the little things. Hey, be on time. Do what's asked of you. You know, um, and just those two small things. And, and that wasn't something we had to coach, you know, where other programs, when I entered with Rex and, and coach, you know, it was different because, you know, we had to coach those things. It's kind of like, the you know, coaches say, hey, if I got to coach effort, we're probably not going to be very successful. Well, that's one thing we never had to coach at Tulsa was effort. I mean, those guys brought it daily. And I honestly believe, you know, that first year we go to the CBI, we're, you know, um, we obviously, you know, we got beat uh, against Wright State. Um, and then the next year we go to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, but, you know, what some people don't realize is we started that season. I want to say, and you might have this in your notes. I, I believe that second year we started like 0 and 6. Um, and I, I don't, I don't, it's 0 and 6 or 0 and 8. But nothing changed. I mean, we, we continued to, you know, coach the guys and, and they kept believing. And then we went, you know, we won our, like our last, oh my gosh, like 13 or 14 games and went to the NCAA tournament and won the league. Um, but it was all because of chemistry and how those guys bought in, how they listened. And, and quite honestly, you know, how coach loved the group and how they loved coach and, and our whole staff. I mean, there was just great chemistry throughout. Yeah. Now you were, uh, that season you were one in, one and six, and the one game you won was by one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that because it was it was tough. We started that second year. We had some great players, you know, come in, and and uh, uh, I remember, you know, when we took the job, you know, you had Eric McClellan, Jordan Clarkson, Cody Maduka, you know, uh, on the roster, and unfortunately, you know, our first day on the job, um, Cody Maduka had a heart condition. 
um, and uh, actually, you know, uh, had a heart condition and, and he had to stop his, his playing career stopped. And then Eric McClellan and Jordan Clarkson, they decided to transfer, um, which I understand. I mean, they didn't come to play for coach Manning, but you know, you went from taking the Tulsa job thinking, good Lord, this roster is loaded to, Oh my gosh, we're going to have to rebuild quick. And the guys we bought in, in terms of James Woodard and Shaq Harrison and, and, um, you know, uh, I, I say those two guys and DeAndre Wright, you know, um, and, um, oh gosh, dang, I'm trying to play. I, I can't remember the other player's name. He's going to forgive me if he's out there listening, <laughs> but, um, but those guys, they bought in so quick, you know, and like I said, that was because of the, the players that were already there, you know, and, um, there was not one player on that team in the two years we were there. It was never about that one player. We never had to address, hey, why are you wearing that? You know what I mean? You know how we travel. Or why are you late? Like, we never had to address effort or those little things or, or, or any of that stuff. You know, and, and that, that's, that's huge. I, I think that's a – think any head coach out there listening to this, I don't care what level – when you don't have to worry about those items as a head coach or coach those items and you can focus on ball and what it takes to win basketball games, you're going to be more successful. It was funny earlier you were talking about Barrett Hunter. I had completely forgot. Yeah. Uh, one of the high school coaches I worked for was his high school coach at the previous stop at, uh, at Langley. Oh, wow. And actually, oh, wow. actually okay. worked a basketball camp with us. Uh, let's just say he needed to do some community service and <laughs> – I remember him. I think did he transferred Division Three and then come back. I believe he did. Okay. Yeah, I believe he did because he he was a walk on uh, for us. Um, Barrett did a magnificent job, um, you know. Um, but I'm pretty sure he did. Okay, yeah, I, I thought that was him. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great kid. Great kid. The player I was thinking about uh, that um, the other couple guys was um, Lou Evans. Lou uh, actually played with Coach Manning's son at a prep school. Uh, and Markel Curtis was another one. Um, and Brandon Swanigan. Those guys, um, those guys, and Rashad Ray. I, I mean, I could name that whole team, every player in two years. And I, I'm sorry to the former players if, you know, I'm forgetting, but, you know, those, those kids, uh, and I'm sure Danny would say the same thing. Those kids, um, it was so much fun, and they did such a good job of buying in that, I mean, you were just ready to get to practice daily. You know, I remember, and I talked with Coach Manning about this, uh, when he presented at a Nike clinic, and he had said, you know, if, if you guys want a copy of the drills or any, you know, practice plans, anything, uh, email uh, my Dobo. And that was my <laughs> first practice. Dude, you replied in the first, like, 30 minutes if that long with like full pdfs everything i'm like holy crap okay yeah you know it's it's funny it's funny uh it's funny you said that so here's my thing on that um vance Wahlberg, it was a coach at pepperdine so when you asked me in 2006 you know uh you know i'm sorry 2004 if i applied for jobs and everything um i applied for a director of operations job with vance Wahlberg at pepperdine and he was the only coach to respond to me. Um, and he didn't respond via email, letter, nothing. He called me. I'll never forget. Um, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. So it would have been like super early California time, right? He called me um, and said, hey, I got your 
you know, your resume and stuff. I really appreciate you reaching out and want to be part of my staff. And, uh, but I don't, uh, I don't write back. I don't email back. Um, they didn't have texting wasn't popular at that time. He said, you know, I call back and, uh, he's like, that's because I want everyone to know that I have a level of respect for him. And I've I've tried my best to adopt that in my career that no matter who it is, um, high school coach, junior high coach, uh, you know, a fan, whatever it is, I try to absolutely respond to everyone within 24 to 36 hours. That's kind of a rule I have for myself. Um, but those times can be difficult. Like you said, with coach, when he gives my email out and I'll get bombarded with about 150 emails, it does get challenging sometimes. That's funny. You know, so after you guys win the, uh, conference USA tournament in El Paso, you guys go to the dance first time since 2003, you know, he accepts the Wake Forest head coaching job, which is April, 2014. What goes through your head uh, when you find out? Man, you know, um, good Lord. I, uh, I remember being so excited because it was the ACC. Um, obviously, you know, North Carolina and basketball, holy cow, it's, it's special, you know. And uh, I, was, I was really, really excited, you know, about Wake Forest. And I knew a little bit about it, you know, obviously from, you know, about Randolph Childress and Chris Paul and Tim Duncan and, and uh, I knew a little bit about Wake Forest. I didn't know a whole lot, but I'll never forget that first day we came on campus and they had a press conference for Coach Manning on the quad. And I mean, it was just tons and tons of people. And I was really excited. I knew we had a great challenge ahead of us, um, you know, because the program had been down for some time. Um, and, and, you know, many of the fans remember the the Randolph Childress run, and, you know, and that success and, um, you know, that's one of the, the biggest pieces of history of Wake Forest basketball that stands out to so many people that they remember today. And, and so many people, you know, they want that duplicated now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the times have changed so much. But it was so um, it was it was a lot of fun. I remember I just remember how excited I was. And uh, I hadn't been to North Carolina a whole lot. I remember Coach Williams talking about how living in North Carolina was great. And he's right. Winston-Salem is a great place to live. And, uh, but it was, it was really, I could tell it was a special place when I arrived. Okay. You know, he brought most, if not the entire coaching staff within the wake. Talk about, and you've touched on it a little bit, you know, how that type of loyalty seems to be more and more rare these days. Yeah, it is. You know, I mean, I think a lot of coaches today, um, you know, to, to me and, and hiring a good staff, it's all about trust and loyalty. Um, you know, and, and I think some coaches today, they get caught up on who can get them a basketball player or, or who they can benefit the most from rather than saying, you know what, that guy might not be as great a recruiter, but I know he's going to have my back and he's going to do everything he can to help the program win. Or, you know what, he is a great recruiter and he brings everything to the table. You know, I mean, it can go both ways. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And I think Coach Manning always tried his best to uh, put people around him, you know, um, to not only, um, you know, help him, you know, and, and him for him to remain loyal to him, but also because he felt they could, you know, fulfill a specific role with the basketball program. And, and uh, that's why we ended up bringing, you know, Steve Woodbury and Ryan Horn and Brett Ballard and, and uh, myself, um, you know, and I was trying to think if we brought any, I think that was all we brought. 
um, because Will Martin or Will Murphy was here uh, as a video coordinator. Uh, we uh, we did bring Joe Balistrieri. I forgot about Joe. My bad. And um, you know, so we brought the staff we were familiar with, and um, obviously that's one of Coach's strengths is his loyalty. You know, the team struggled in ACC play the first two years, but then goes nine to nine in year three, including a win over number eight Louisville and two narrow losses to Duke. Talk about the process, including the 2016-2017 tournament appearance. You know, our process, you know, I would say our our process from year one in 2014 all the way till, uh, you know, most current year here, you know, our our process, quite honestly, um, I feel was the same. Um, You know, if anything, it got stronger. Um, as years went by and we got deeper, you know, in the, you know, uh, deeper in years in terms of being here and learning about the ACC, um, the ACC certainly didn't get any easier <laughs> from year one to, to year six, you know, but, but, um, you know, in terms of the way we played coach always want, you know, always wanting to play fast and, and you know, and play through the posts and, you know, our, our success in going to the NCAA tournament with John Collins and, and, uh, you know, Bryant Crawford and, and Brandon Childress and, you know, and Austin Arians and, um, you know, Dinos Mitoglu and those guys, uh, you know, that was a team that it came together nicely. They had great chemistry. They, they worked really hard. Um, you know, we, we had a great basketball staff, you know, with, with Coach Woodbury, Coach Ballard and, and uh, uh, you know, Coach Jamil Jones at a short time and Coach Childress in terms of player development. You know, and, and we were ahead of the curve, you know, and then unfortunately, when after we went to the NCAA tournament, um, it was very difficult to replace the players that left to go play professional basketball. Um, you know, Wake Forest is, is a place that that, um, you know, it's, it's high academic. Um, it, you get a great education by attending Wake Forest and replacing a player. Um, you know, after uh, when a guy like John Collins, you know, goes to the pro and especially the timing of Dinos Mitoglu in August, um, you know, that, that made it difficult to replace those guys. And, and we did the best we can. And, um, you know, in terms of replacing him and then unfortunately we're never to uh, ever duplicate that NCAA tournament run. You know, you talk about John Collins uh, declaring for the draft and he was a huge part of the team's success. What goes through your mind as a coach, you know, when he declares, you know, obviously you want him to have success. You want him to, you know, have generational wealth and, you know, that opportunity. But at the same time, it really does set back the program. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, if you look at the history of Wake Forest basketball, when, when guys left early, it always, or any basketball program, I'm not just going to say Wake Forest, you know, um, I, I'll say at any basketball program other than maybe a, a blue blood like Kentucky or Kansas or Duke or Carolina or something like that. But, but you know, at a program like Wake Forest and, and Clemson, your Boston College, your Georgia Tech, you know, programs like that, when guys leave, it's very hard to, you know, it's very hard to replace them. And, um, you know, it was it was difficult because there was a every person on staff wanted John to be successful. They all knew where, you know, that that he was going to be picked in the first round. Everyone knew that everyone was pushing for him. Um, And it it was difficult. You're right, because we knew that it was going to set us back. But we still felt we still felt really good in terms of 
where the program was headed and, and everything. And, and, uh, but the, the, you know, Dino's leaving, you know, that's another one, you know, Dino's was given an unbelievable opportunity to play for Pentalacos. So when he came to the office, you know, in that first week of August and said, Hey, I'm leaving. I mean, what do you say to a kid that's going to get a $4 million contract? That's, you know, it's going to change his life, not only his life, but his family's life. He's from Greece. You know what I mean? Like you just have to, that's where it's like, Hey, look, you know, you've got to be in college basketball for the right reasons, you know, in terms of wanting kids to be successful. And um, the fan bases obviously want winning. No question. We all want to win. That's why we're in it. But in the same sense, it's very nice, uh, you know, and gratifying as a basketball coach to see guys like John Collins and, and Dino Smitiglou and even guys that left early like Doral Moore and Bryant Crawford and, you know, and, and Keyshawn Woods, you know, um, you know, make money playing basketball. That's their goal. That's their dream. So, um, even though we didn't win as many games as as we would like, or the Wake Forest fan base would like, would have liked, um, it was very gratifying to see those kids, you know, and, and the fourteen kids that we had be successful playing professional basketball. No, no question. Now, so in two thousand eighteen, you spoke on a panel at the uh, NABC convention that I attended. Talk about how it felt to be asked to be on that panel and the importance of helping fellow coaches. Um, man, Lucas McKay from Clemson uh, at the time. Now he's at UMKC. A uh, very good friend of mine. Um, uh, you know, Lucas is a guy that I really look up to and, and what he's done and his success and bounce ideas off of him. Very good friend. He asked me to be on the panel, and I remember how humbled I was. And, and fortunate. Um, I was nervous because I was like, man, this is a great panel. I, I'm not sure, you know, man, I mean, these guys had a lot of success too. And, and uh, I just want to, you know, hopefully be able to give some type of knowledge, some type of feedback to the, the hundred plus people in that room to help them with their career. You know, um, you know, I, I wanted to be unselfish to the point where, uh, you know, and be a great servant to that entire group um, to where everyone would, you know, take something from that. And uh, it was a great experience. You know, you served as an interim assistant coach uh, during the 2018-2019, obviously under tough circumstances. But what was it like to be back out on the road recruiting and, you know, being an assistant coach at the ACC level? You know, I loved it. Um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I'm very fortunate Coach Manning and, and Coach Woodbury and Coach Childress trusted me, you know, because uh, I know Coach asked them if they were comfortable with me fulfilling that role in a difficult time, you know, with Coach Jones. And, and um, you know, uh, it was awesome. I mean, I absolutely loved it. I, like I said, I'm fortunate those guys, um, you know, believed in me and, and uh, were willing to work alongside of me and work as a team. You know, and it was it was a lot of fun. I, I had a, a success, obviously, I feel, for our basketball program, you know, in recruiting, you know, um, Jacoby Neath, Odie Ogawama, and Tariq Ingram. Those were, were three of the kids that I had targeted and were, was successful in terms of being able to get them to be Wake Forest student-athletes. And, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. The world had changed a lot. You know, when I was an assistant for Rex, texting and, and uh, social media wasn't really – that big, it was all phone call. So when I transitioned, you know, to, from a, you know, I say transitioned, I had, we were very lucky. I had, you know, Evan Manning and, and uh, Corey Schmidt and, 
and Tommy Eames now with the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, you know, those guys were huge in allowing me to really focus on recruiting and, and being on the basketball court. And Evan did a great job. And so did Tommy in terms of helping with scouting reports and, and, you know, with everything. I mean, it was definitely a team effort, but that was a lot of fun. Um, and, and coaching in the ACC and at such a high level, it was definitely something that, uh, you know, I will always remember and hopefully can, can do again someday. So your old boss, Rex Walters, is hired to fill the position. How, how yeah. expensive of a dinner or bar tab did he have to fit after you assume the Dobo <laughs> That's an awesome question. Rex, uh, man, you know what? I was excited when, when, when Coach Manning hired Rex. I knew what he was going to bring to the table. I knew, um, you know, even though I had had success in recruiting, you know, I had success in recruiting with Rex too, with, with Tim Dirksen and Matt Christensen and, and Joe Edmonds you know, when I was with him and, and, uh, you know, Tim being a great player, you know, all those guys being great players and, and Tim being probably one of the best to play for him. But, you know, it was funny because, uh, I was really excited, you know, it, it had been about, you know, what, um, six to eight years since I'd been removed from Rex and, uh, and I knew Rex would, had went to Detroit and was an assistant and, and also a head coach in the G League. So I was really, really excited about what I could learn from him again because um, he's such a great teacher of the game. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Um, but as much as I learned from him, you know, I, I hope that he learned as much from me too in terms of getting his feet wet in the college world again because he was so used to the NBA world. I was trying to help him, you know, uh, transition back. And like I said, it had changed a lot. You know, you got texting and social media and and there's so many different avenues um, to recruit a player or get information on a player. Um, they're just endless today. I just, I found it funny that one, you mentioned that he didn't hire you out of college. Then, yeah. then he comes, fills the position, man. When, when he gets a head coaching job, you better be his top assistant and his first. <laughs> that, I'll let you tell him that I'll let you tell uh, him that right now. Right, right now, right now, uh, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't played against him. We played, I played tennis against him. Uh, he, he's big into tennis right now. And I played tennis against him. This is a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago now. And uh, I haven't talked to him since. Cause I know he's, he's, uh, transitioning right now, but, uh, man, he beat me so bad in tennis. I, I, I would take in, I would take some tennis lessons over anything right now. He beat me so bad in tennis. <laughs> he's definitely a fierce competitor. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a competitor. There's no question. You know, you, you talked about, you know, the Danny Manning era at Wake, obviously, and this offseason. Uh, what do you think didn't allow the team to get the results that Wake Forest and their fans hoped for? You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's never, there, there's not a, um, there's not an exact science to, to the game of basketball in terms of coaching and recruiting and everything, you know, and, you know, I think that, uh, I think that we gave it absolutely everything we could, obviously, you know, that entire staff, uh, <laughs> coach Childress and the amount of time he played professionally, Rex, you know, playing professionally would, you know, playing and um, had an unbelievable career in Australia and, and the things those guys accomplished. And, you know, um, I definitely think we did everything we can to, to help make it successful and, and put it in a better position. Um, we obviously just didn't, uh, 
didn't get all the way there. No, I still say, regardless of the results, I thought you guys had one of, if not the best coaching staff that I've, you know, watched, whether it's, you know, practices, games, uh, clinics, camps. I was blown away by your, your staff and, and the knowledge and, and just how you guys were able to effectively communicate with the players. Yeah, I mean, the staff, like I said, the staff knowledge was, was off the charts. I mean, you look at all the head coaches that that staff played for. Um, holy cow. You know what I mean? So many different experiences and, and, and everything. And, and the ACC is, is, is obviously very difficult. Um, you know, no excuses. Cause I quite honestly think that, that, uh, every, every conference is difficult when you get to league in college basketball, it's hard. And that's one of the things coming up, Dave, that, that, uh, it's going to be interesting. Cause if there's no non-conference for college basketball this year, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, um, right out of the gates, how, how good some of these teams are uh, in college basketball because there's no per se warm up time, you know, um, and uh, league and league, league's just league. That's all you can say. Yeah, that's uh, well said. Uh, you know, changing topics, talk about being a girl dad. Oh, man, I'm so lucky, dude. Um, my daughter, uh, my daughter's seven. Tatum and uh she's absolutely awesome man like like I told you you know when we were talking you know before jumping on this podcast I was like dude I'm so lucky you know my wa- my wife works in the nonprofit world uh for the diaper bank in North Carolina and you know so I get I get now I'm I'm uh you know when I was always putting in the 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 50 60 hours a week in college basketball my wife was carrying the load which I'm very fortunate for and she's done an awesome job and does an awesome job you know now it's me um in terms of definitely not hold on a second let me back up definitely not carrying the load like she has had to my time is only from about 10 to 3 daily <laughs> where her time was a good 7 a.m to 7 p.m so my my time frame's a lot shorter but it's awesome because uh, you know, like today, my, my, my daughter, she loves art. She loves ballet and swimming and cooking. And, you know, so I try to keep the same routine every day. And, and but it's being a girl dad's awesome, man. I mean, like today we baked blueberry muffins and then we were, you know, working on math. And, and, uh, then after that, it, it's funny. I took a phone call and she was wanting me to help her paint her toenails. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I've never painted nails before, but I'm going to figure this out. So, I'm really lucky, and uh, my wife's obviously done a, a magnificent job with Tatum, and we're lucky to have such a good daughter. Oh, that's awesome, Coach. You've made it to the segment. You know uh, the segment, Start, Bench, Cut. I'm sure you listen to this during your 5 a.m. walks and runs. Yeah, my 5 a.m. walks and runs. There you go. I don't know how you do it, man. You're much better. <laughs> All right, first, first one, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Uh, cut Adidas bench Under Armour starter Nike. Okay, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Jordan starter. Uh, man, oh man. Uh, Kobe bench LeBron cut. Okay. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Krispy Kreme. Oh, Starbucks starter. Uh, Krispy Kreme bench, Dunkin' Donuts, um, cut just because their donuts aren't real. I'm going to give you a fact real quick. (laughs) 
I want to give you a fact real quick. This is awesome. You're going to appreciate this because every Sunday I take my daughter for donuts. That's our thing. Every Sunday we go get a donut, right? Well, this not this past Sunday. The Sunday before we go to Dunkin' Donuts. They were awful, right? I hope the Dunkin' Donuts brands listen to this, <laughs> by the way. Okay? The donuts were terrible. And then I come to find out that they're not made. They're no longer made in house. The donuts are shipped and they're warmed up. So it's not like Krispy Kreme, where if you go to Krispy Kreme, they're made in house. Um, you know. So anyway, side fact. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I feel smarter for having heard that. There you go. Hopefully, if no one, if no one, if anybody takes anything from this podcast, right, they'll understand that. Um, Dunkin' Donuts are warmed up donuts. <laughs> he, he got game blue chips Hoosiers. Oh man, I gotta go with starter blue chips because of my guy Rex being in it. Um, he got game cut and, and then Hoosiers bench. Okay. Uh, Winston Salem, Boca Raton, San Francisco. Oh baby. Um, cut Boca Raton bench. San Francisco start Winston Salem. Okay, I like it. Last one, little baby, twenty one Savage, the baby. Oh man, uh, twenty one Savage start the baby bench, baby cut. I love it, Coach. <laughs> Who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Oh man, um, three guests to have on the podcast. Let's go. Uh, I definitely have you had Rex yet? Yeah, you need to have I Rex. Okay, on. okay. I guess I haven't listened to that one. Um, Ryan Humphrey from Notre Dame, okay. Phil Beckner, be better, be different, and um, Uh, I'm trying to think of the last one. Gosh dang, you put me at this is a, that's a good you put me in a good spot there. Ryan Humphrey. Uh, I would say probably um, Luke Wicks at Pacific. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, and obviously throughout the podcast you've talked about it, but what advice would you give uh, younger coaches out there, whether they're managers, graduate assistants, uh, people? wrapping up their playing careers, uh, just, you know, the next crop of coaches. Um, be a great servant. If you want to climb the ladder and be successful in college basketball, make sure the person in front of you is being successful. Be a great servant. That, that it's, it's not very difficult. Um, you know, if, if, if it's you and me working, Dave, and you're ahead of me, then I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make you successful. Cause I know if you're successful, then I'm going to be successful. That's great, Coach. Uh, how can the listeners get a hold of you as far as social media handles, that kind of stuff? Uh, Twitter, go all out, JB, um, G O A L L O U T J B. Um, I'm obviously on LinkedIn, is my name. Uh, on Facebook, is my name. Uh, and, and my email, justin.bauman at gmail.com. Coach, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Uh, I look forward to the next chapter in your coaching career. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me and uh, wish you success as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, 
and rate five stars.